MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Today, we now know some of the evidence the Department of Justice gathered to get the search warrant from Mar-a-Lago. Emails show Donald intended to ship some boxes to Trump Tower in New York. Donald cannot get out of his E. Jean Carroll deposition. The Treasury Department Inspector General is now investigating Ron DeSantis for flying asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard. New evidence shows Donald was warned of violence on January 6th. And Alex Jones is ordered to pay nearly $1 billion to Sandy Hook families in his latest defamation trial. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Holy majoli, Dana, is so much good news today. A billion dollars for that son of a bitch. One billion with a B, a Connecticut jury ordered InfoWars founder Alex Jones $965 million in charges plus attorney's fees to the families of eight victims of Sandy Hook shooting for suffering caused by years of lies that the massacre was a hoax, right? Wednesday's verdict, this is the largest award to date in the multi-pronged legal battle. He still has another trial (laughs) coming up. Oh, my God. For defamation. And this is from the families to hold Jones responsible for circulating falsehoods about the 2012 mass shooting. Of course, Alex Jones began fundraising live on his show while the verdict was being read. And he has said they won't see a dime. They won't see a dime. And uh, they won't stop us. He filed for bankruptcy. People are thinking like that's going to make it so he doesn't have to pay any money. But I seriously doubt his bankruptcy will be approved because he (laughs) he filed it in the face of all these, you know, restitution payments, which looks like bankruptcy fraud. I mean, pretty much on its face. So absolutely. And we have a Daily Beans exclusive. Tell me what is happening. We rarely get exclusive scoops. I don't we don't have a song for this. Maybe the final countdown? I don't know. It's I, I the bet- final <laughs> countdown. <laughs> so this is an interesting story. A moving company contracted to move items from the White House by the Trump team to Mar-a-Lago when Donald left office was canceled last minute, according to a person familiar, and an email coordinating with the White House usher and staff. According to the email, which I have put my eyes on. So if people are like, what's your source? It's me. According to the email. (laughs) Yeah, but can that be trusted? Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Well, you know all the breaking scoops I do. According to the email, the company was supposed to pick up packed boxes from the federal warehouse the Tuesday before Biden's inauguration and then scheduled to pick up boxes at the White House early on inauguration day. So Tuesday and then Wednesday, Tuesday the 19th, Wednesday the 20th. The contract was canceled just days ahead of the move. A person familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity, see how I do that, see? Says the cancellation was strange. Quote, not just any old company can do this job, given the background checks we have to go through, waivers and legal documents. It's not just something you can reschedule last minute. An email confirming the move and the move dates was received by the company from Haley Rivero, who's the executive assistant to the chief usher, and Timothy Harleth, who is the chief 
Usher. Somebody named Todd Robinson was copied. I think he might be the facilities warehouse, the federal warehouse guy. Now, per the email, and this is kind of the hidden lead here. After they were picked up, some boxes were to be delivered to Palm Beach, while others were to be delivered to Trump Tower in New York at a later date, that later date being the Monday following the inauguration. And I'm not sure if this could show that maybe help give probable cause to search Trump Tower in Manhattan. Seems like it. Yeah. You know, because, you know, some of these emails are like, you know, you have to have the certain background clearances, these sensitive materials, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. But that is all the information I have on this story for now. Well, now that the story is broken, uh, I think we should get cameras on Trump Tower because now it's in the public that there's a possible search. I think it needs to be watched. We'll see. We shall see. And who knows? Maybe there was one and just Trump didn't talk about it. The only reason we know about the Mar-a-Lago one is because Trump was like, I hate your face or whatever. (laughs) All right. So um, now with that out of the way, we can actually get to the news news. (laughs) There's so much of it today. I'm excited to go over it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Remember when Department of Justice said in one of their filings that they had developed evidence that Donald didn't give back all the classified documents pursuant to that June subpoena? I do. Yeah. Well, we know a little bit more about what that evidence is today. A Trump employee has told federal agents about moving boxes of documents around Mar-a-Lago at the specific direction of Trump, according to people familiar with the investigation, who say the witness account combined with security camera footage offers key evidence of Donald Trump's behavior as investigators sought the return of classified material. The witness description and footage described to the Washington Post offer the most direct account to date of Trump's actions and instructions leading up to the August 8th search of Mar-a-Lago in which agents were looking for evidence of potential crimes, including obstruction of justice, destruction of government records, or mishandling of classified information. The people familiar said agents have gathered witness accounts indicating that after Trump advisors received a subpoena in May for classified documents that remained at Mar-a-Lago, after that, Trump told people to move boxes to his residence at the property. That description of events was corroborated by the security camera footage, which showed people moving the boxes. <laughs> so somebody, <laughs> it, it gets better. Hold on. The employee who was working at Mar-a-Lago is cooperating with the Justice Department and has been interviewed multiple times by agents. They refuse to identify who this person is. In the first interview, the people said, the witnesses, the, this witness, this person, whoever it is, denied handling sensitive documents or any boxes that might contain such documents. But as the FBI gathered evidence, Agents decided to re-interview the witness and say, hey, you want to change your bullshit story? (laughs) (laughs) And the witness's story changed dramatically. In the second interview, the witness said, yeah, yeah, I did move boxes at Trump's request. The witness is now considered a key part of the investigation, offering details about the former president's alleged actions and instructions to subordinates that could have been an attempt to thwart federal officials' demands for the return of classified government documents. Now they have a witness to obstruction of justice. Trump ordered them to move the boxes. That is 18 U.S. Code 1519, plain as fucking day. There's video surveillance evidence. That's a max 20-year prison sentence. Oh, please let this happen. Just let it happen. (laughs) Uh, We're going to another douchebag. The Treasury Department is examining Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, his migrant transports, and whether the Republican governor improperly used money connected to the COVID-19 aid. 
to facilitate these flights. The agency's inspector general's office confirmed to several members of Massachusetts's Democratic congressional delegation that it planned to get this work underway as soon as possible. AG, I'm sorry, there's a search copter and it's got to be picking this up. This is crazy. There's two military planes, three military planes. Hold on. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen anything like those. Are you in trouble? Are they coming? It might be. Yeah. Is it you? They're almost gone. We can leave it in. Hilarious. I'm like, hold on, AG. I think they're taking me away. <laughs> nope, we're good. Okay. Whew. The agency's inspector general's office confirmed to several members of Massachusetts's Democratic congressional delegation that it planned, quote, to get this work underway as soon as possible to probe Florida's spending as part of ongoing audits into how states have used the billions that was sent to them as part of the American Rescue Plan. And that's according to a letter provided by Democratic Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey's office. Now, in October 7th, letter to Markey and five House members, Richard Delmer, Deputy Inspector General for the Treasury Department, told lawmakers that the agency would, quote, review the allowability of COVID-19 aid to the states, quote, related to immigration generally, and will specifically confirm whether interest earned on the funds was utilized by Florida related to immigration activities, and if so, what conditions and limitations apply to such use. I'm pretty sure flying immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, not on the list. However, Florida did not directly use federal COVID-19 funds to transport the migrants, okay? But the state legislatures earlier this year directed that $12 million in interest earned of COVID-19 aid be used to pay for the transport of unauthorized aliens from this state. Mm-mm. That's what it said. So far, Florida paid a panhandle-based company $1.56 million to fly migrants, but Sasantis has vowed to continue transporting them to blue strongholds. He's going to keep doing the shit. Yeah, and they weren't unauthorized aliens. They Correct. were asylum seekers here legally, and they weren't from that state. They were from Texas. Whatever. Yep. <laughs> and interest on COVID funds. That's what he spent. All right. Um, today, if you're listening to this on Thursday, October 13th, there is another hearing. Uh, I'd be watching and live tweeting from Kathy's house. I'm so excited to see everyone. And it's probably the final public hearing out of the House committee investigating the January 6th attack. It's expected to highlight newly obtained Secret Service records showing how Trump was repeatedly alerted to brewing violence that day and still sought to stoke the conflict, according to three people briefed on the records. The committee plans to share in Thursday's hearing New footage and internal Secret Service emails that appear to corroborate parts of the most startling inside accounts of that day. Former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson, for one, testified in June that Trump was briefed on January 6th that some of his supporters were armed for battle and demanded they be allowed into his rally anyway and insisted he wanted to lead them on their march to the Capitol. Surveillance footage the committee plans to share was taken near the ellipse that morning before Trump's speech and shows throngs of his supporters clustered just outside the corralled area for the rally. Secret Service officers screened those entering who sought to get closer to the stage. Law enforcement officials who were monitoring video that morning spotted Trump supporters with plastic shields, bulletproof vests and other paramilitary gear. And some in the Secret Service concluded they stayed outside the rally area to avoid having their weapons confiscated. Newly obtained Secret Service records are just part of a larger hearing right now in which the committee hopes to summarize and remind the American public of all the ways Trump is said to have played the central role in fomenting the violent insurrection at the Capitol, one of the most brutal attacks we know on democracy in U.S. history. 
While the committee's previous hearings took center stage over several weeks this summer, the committee's trying to revive interest in the probe and deliver what it has privately called its closing arguments about past and ongoing threats to democracy as voters prepare to cast ballots in the election this midterm. One email the committee has obtained highlights the level of alarm inside Secret Service headquarters about the possibility Trump would get his wish to go to the Capitol and join a melee in progress. One of the committee's newly obtained documents show that sometime between 1.30 and 2 p.m., a senior Secret Service supervisor for protective operations emailed Engel. Engel was the guy who said Trump reached for the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. At least that's what Cassidy Hutchins testified that Engel said. And he emailed Engel with an urgent update and sought to know if Trump's plan to go to the Capitol was successfully quashed. It came after a tumultuous hour for the Secret Service detail, which had effectively ignored a command from the president. Even with Trump back at the White House, Secret Service headquarters wanted to be sure the president stayed put. Sit, stay, stay. I'm going to send out a silver alert. (laughs) Put your hand in front of his nose. Stay. The supervisor, Ronald Rowe, warned Engel that the situation was rapidly devolving at the Capitol and sought Engel's confirmation. He was not considering taking Trump there. That's according to senior law enforcement officials familiar with the records turned over to the committee. Rowe urged Engel to call him. In other internal emails, agents relayed reports that Trump was angry about being told he couldn't go to the Capitol. Some of the information the People Brief says calls into question the previous testimony of Engel and Anthony Ornato, who's retired, then a Secret Service leader who was serving in an unprecedented political role of White House Deputy Chief of Staff. Both men told the committee in closed-door depositions that they could not recall those events relayed by other witnesses, including Trump's demand that the Secret Service let armed people into his rally. And I cannot recall is different from it didn't happen. Oh, absolutely. Make everybody aware of that. So it looks like a lot of, the, of these emails, by the way, dumped a million of them on the committee the day, like the day and a half before the hearing. Yep. That's called a that's called a depot dump. That's not a good fit. That's not being nice. That's being a dick. So we'll see what happens. All right. And this last story, love it. I left this one for you. So good. A federal judge rejected Donald Trump's attempt to pause his deposition in the defamation lawsuit scheduled for later this month, saying Trump's efforts to delay the case are inexcusable. Trump is scheduled to be deposed on October 19th in the defamation lawsuit brought on by who? Aging Carroll. As we know, she's the former magazine columnist who accused Trump of raping her in a department store in the mid-1990s. Trump has denied those allegations. Judge Lewis Kaplan said the lawsuit wasn't over yet, And as they wait for federal appeals court to rule on key element of the case, quote, completing those depositions, which have already been delayed for years, would impose no undue burden on Donald, let alone any irreparable injury. Yeah, Kaplan also said the defendant should not be permitted to run the clock out on plaintiff's attempt to gain a remedy for what allegedly was a serious wrong. That's again from Kaplan. Now, the judge said that Carroll would face, quote, substantial injury from further delays, citing the lengthy appeal process, which has already taken 20 months and is still not over. And the ages of Carroll and Trump, who are both in their 70s. Now, Carroll's deposition is scheduled for this Friday. Kaplan noted Donald's efforts to delay the lawsuit and said his production of, quote, virtually no documents was inexcusable. This is actually from Robbie Kaplan. I don't want to confuse the names. This is Jeannie Carroll's attorney. We're pleased that Judge Kaplan agreed with our position on to to stay discovery in this case. We look forward to filing our case under the Adult Survivors Act and moving forward to trial with all 
dispatch. Again, that was from E. Jean's lawyer, Robbie Kaplan. Carol's attorney had suggested that Trump wanted to stop his deposition after learning that she intends to sue him in November under a new New York state law that allows victims of sexual assault to sue years after the encounter, which is fucking great. The judge said the question of whether Trump raped Carol is paramount to the current case and the future lawsuit and stop the deposition now because it could be used in the future would make no sense. Make no sense to stop it now. Last month, the federal appeals court ruled that Donald was a federal employee when he denied Carol's claim of rape and sexual assault. However, the catch here, the federal appeals court in New York asked the D.C. appeals court to determine if Trump was acting in the scope of that employment when he made the allegedly defamatory statements. If the D.C. court finds that Donald was acting within his role, well, then the Justice Department would likely be substituted as the defendant. The D.C. Appeals Court has not yet taken up the matter. What this means, though, is that Donald has to sit right now on October 19th, as it's scheduled, under oath. He cannot purge himself at this point. Mm -hmm. Up until now, he hasn't had to do that. That's the catch in this case. And a lot of people are confused. They think that E. Jean is trying to get him basically charged for rape. She's not. She's this is absolutely the case of it's a defamation case. It's a defamation case. So right now, the statute of limitations does not apply to this case. So that's very clear. Yeah. And I think that the D.C. appeals court might actually say that the Department of Justice can't be can't be substituted for Trump's attorneys here, you know, because he wasn't acting within the scope of his job that I think they might actually decide that. And here there's a pattern here. And I just have to kind of bring this up. Do you remember, Dana, when we talked about that March 2019 Bill Barr memo that uh, Barr wanted to keep like under seal from FOIA requests? Yes. Because of deliberative process privilege. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a back and forth about not charging Trump with obstruction of justice. It was a bunch of bullshit. And when Merrick Garland took over, he said, yeah, we'll we'll take this case and we'll keep, you know, arguing for what Bill Barr wanted. But we'll use Bill Barr's shitty arguments. We, we won't come up with our own great argument, which would work, which is to say it is deliberative process because we were trying to decide what to tell the public. Right. We're going to use your shitty argument, which is it's deliberative process privilege pursuant to making a different decision about whether or not to charge him. And they couldn't be making that decision because you can't charge a sitting president because of an OLC memo. Anyway, I just see this. I see this pattern. Where Merrick Garland says, look, I'm not going to shit all over the Department of Justice as an institution by saying my predecessor is a fucking criminal asshole. Right. I will take up his cases with his arguments and probably lose them and be fine with it. <laughs> he lost. I think those are some good beans. He lost in that um, in that bar memo case uh-huh. be- because there was a great argument he could have put forward and he didn't. He just said, I know. And he actually apologized to the court in a filing like, look, I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just arguing the DOJ's case as it was originally presented. Yeah, I think that might be the case in the E. Jean Carroll submission. And I think the D.C. appeals court might say, nope, he wasn't acting. This wasn't part of his job. He was a federal employee. But that defamation is not part of his role or duty as president. And I don't think Merrick Garland will appeal that decision if it happens that way. Let's watch. Let's watch. Anyway, just a, just a couple beans. All right. <laughs> that was like totally unscripted, but it just occurred I like to your me beans. as you were. I like your beans. As you were reading that story. We have good news and uh, we're going to read it right after the break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey, everyone. As you know, I used to have sleep problems. I used to have Trump problems. I used to have a lot of problems, but I solved the sleep problems when I got my Helix Sleep mattresses. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, two minutes to complete at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, entered my sleep preferences and my body type, and, and they matched me to a perfect mattress. It's given me the best night's sleep of my life. Now, they have a, a great lineup that has 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, even a mattress made just for kids. As you know, when I took the quiz, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm bed. So it's perfect for me. They also have a 10 or a 15 year warranty, depending on the model you get. And you can try it out for 100 nights risk free. It's an awesome deal. So go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take that quiz, order the mattress you're matched to. It will come right to your door shipped entirely for free and you can start experiencing amazing sleeps. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired and has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine to solve your sleep problems. And right now, Helix is offering you up to $200 off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want some some of your favorite swears, you know, like jumping Jesus on a pogo stick or something like that. You have Halloween photos, especially pets dressed up for Halloween or Christmas or Easter. Anything you want to send us, uh, adaptable pets in your area, whatever it is, you could send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. Also, I want to take a minute to tell you to make sure that you're registered to vote because sometimes they purge the polls. And so check your registration today. Just do it for me, just today. And then also make sure that your friends and family are registered to vote. Dana, I'm going to kick us off with a submission from Patrick. No pronouns given. A week or two ago, I was traveling for work and listening to the pod when AG made a Flight of the Concords reference. You mentioned someone was popping off the top of his esophagus. <laughs> it hasn't been mentioned since, but I wanted to let you know that it was heard and it made my day. Thanks. Yes, the hip hopopotamus and the rhinoceros is one nice. of my favorites. Very nice. And this one's from Tim. No pronouns in Tim either. Started to listen to Daily Beans earlier this year, and my drive into work is so much better for it. Thank you for introducing me to the use of the word fuckery. It captures the essence of what those people are doing to our country and the world. Keep up the good work. Pet tax is photos of our new adoptee, Sally, and our older cat, Sophie. Also a Halloween shot of our grand dog, Khalees. Yes, Halloween dog shots. Okay, look at the baby. Maybe Khaleesi, if it is the... We'll see. And then the void. Oh. And look at this dog. Oh my God. <laughs> that is a handmaid's tail dog. And I think the owner is also dressed up as a handmaid. Oh my God. That's fucking brilliant. Oh, like a little rainbow umbrella. Bless black her heart. fingernail polish. A little tattoo, wrist tattoo. I want to meet this person. Seriously. Love it. Dude, what great people. Thank you so much for that submission. Next up, Sarah. She, her. Hi, Beans Queens. You read my submission earlier this week about the secret car magnet flip my local liberals do to encourage each other. I'm writing to make an addendum to my submission and to pay the pet tax, A.G. levied. Our group's title includes the phrase liberal women, but we're very inclusive of the LGBTQ plus community. So we welcome cis women, non-binary folks, trans women and trans men. That intersectionality is crucial to the cause. The blatant misogyny and assault on reproductive and LGBTQ rights here in Texas, as in many places in the country, 
is embraced so openly by the right. Our group stands in solidarity to fight for change. For pet tax, here are pictures of the pups that rescued us. Rosie the Chewini is our pint-sized bringer of chaos. <laughs> she was saved from the shelter by a German shepherd rescue volunteer, mangy and emaciated, and half her current weight. When she was healthy again, her true personality shone through as she bossed around the other dogs five times her size. Now she rules over our pack, consisting of her brother Winston and her two humans. Here's a pic of her graduation from puppy school and another dressed as superwoman held by one of her human buddies dressed as Superman. The dejected ball of floof dressed as a lobster is Winston. <laughs> Our Chion, half Chihuahua, half Papillon. He's not a fan of being dressed up, but he tolerates it long enough for annual Halloween photo shoots and greeting guests at our Halloween parties. Look. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so, so adorable. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for those photos. Indeed. This is from Nikki Pronunci and her. Hi, Beans Queens. I've been listening to your show every morning for a while now. My daughter, 17 years, and I listen while I drive to work. I love that she listens, asks questions, and generally pays attention to politics. It's her senior year, and by next presidential election, she'll be able to vote. Thanks for being there to help me teach my kid about the world. The Beans Pod, haha, <laughs> Bean Pods, is a pretty awesome thing to share with her as a sort of morning bonding time before school. And we both love you guys. I love that you're both very educated, great role models, and proof that smart women fucking rule. Yes, yes, indeed. 17 years old, driving her to school. Love That's so it. awesome, Nikki. And hello. Hello, Nikki's daughter. It's good to meet you. Hmm. Look at toes so cute that sweatshirt's a little big that's <laughs> awesome though senior class fuck yeah next up from grant he and him i've been a fan of superhero comics since i was a little kid i've always also been very liberal and have voted in every presidential election since i turned 18 beginning with clinton in 92 me too grant nice. though sadly i wasn't very politically well informed and until a few years ago often skipped the midterms that is until Trump won the electoral count in 2016. Well put, Grant. He won the electoral <laughs> college in 2016. Since I've made it a personal point to become as politically knowledgeable and engaged as possible since then. Part of my process for me is listening to shows like The Daily Beans and Clean Up on Aisle 45, among others. About a year and a half ago, I was inspired by The Beans, started my own podcast called Truth, Justice, and Hope, where in addition to me talking about a couple Superman comics every episode... I start out the show with a message of hope to help keep people's spirits up in this politically and socially stressful environment and try to break important issues down in a way that's relatable to my fellow comic nerds who might not be as politically informed. Thank you so much for everything you do and for helping keep me inspired so that I can pay it forward in my own little way. For pet tax, I've included a photo of my camera-shy chihuahua, Sasha, next to my Superman coffee mug that I sip from every morning while listening to the beans. Oh, sweet so baby. Cool. A Superman comics podcast called Truth, Justice, and Hope. Look at the baby. Oh, wow. I love it. All right, closing us out. This is from David Tillery, Florida 66. Prior to being a candidate, I was recording artist with human rights songs and a writer, producer, and stand-up comedian. They make the best politicians, by the way. I perform, I perform my music, comedy, and offer myself as an activist under my stage name, Ace Williams. I've been creating political parodies and memes for years. So when the issue DeSantis and his anti-education and whitewashing black history, the Pink Floyd song immediately came to mind and I had to rewrite the lyrics. And there's going to be a link to this video 
for the patrons. And stick around after the credits to hear a sample of the song, but definitely check out the video because it's really entertaining. And the video is a parody on The Wall by Pink Floyd. (laughs) And it's It's really good. We both watched it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. So... Excellent. Thank you so much, David. We've heard from David before. We have indeed. Yeah. And thanks to everybody for sending in your pet photos, especially the ones dressed up as Halloweens and uh, for the Halloweens. And I mean, they're all awesome. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't pick favorites. No, I mean, no, they're all pretty great. Um, (laughs) And everyone, I have a little bit of good news. I've been invited back to the White House, so I'll be going there uh, in a couple weeks. Wonderful. Congratulations. When are you going to be in the in D.C. at the White House, out of curiosity. The weekend of October 20th. Oh, okay. Well, you'll be there before I will. Well, not the White House. I'll be in D.C. for the National Dinner for the Human Rights Campaign the weekend of the 29th. Oh, we're just going to miss each other. I we know. do that a lot. We do we, that a lot. Yep. <laughs> like, you're going to be New York? Nope. The next week, bottom did well, D.C.? <laughs> nope. Next week, L.A.? Nope. Going to be We're just Dallas. chasing each other around the United <laughs> States, trying to get in the same city to record a fucking podcast. <laughs> But I have to tell you, um, thank you, Dana, so much for doing this show with me. It's been a couple of years now. Yeah. And uh, it's been truly knowing you and doing the news with you is one of the just one of the coolest things. It's been a highlight for me, too. You have saved me on many occasions and my sanity and the Beans listeners and the new fans. And it's a family. It's a family. So it's been awesome to be a part of it. And it sounds like we're breaking up. We're not. We just are sending love to each other. <laughs> I just and realized that, I was like, and with that, this is my last show. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, we'll both be back tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so until then, uh, in fact, we're going to watch this thing together, aren't we? I believe so. Yeah, we're going to go. Yeah. So there'll be photos. So everybody follow us at DG Comedy on Twitter, at Muller She Wrote on Twitter. You can see pictures. We'll be live tweeting the hearing uh, as it happens. Uh, but that's actually today. So if you're listening to this before 1 p.m. <laughs> on Thursday, Eastern time, uh, head over there and check it out. You heard her. All right. I think we did our final thoughts. That was kind of a final thought thing, right? Yeah, I think so. All right. So until tomorrow, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And for God's sakes, take someone with you. <laughs> I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Oh